Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. If you have missed any of this series, uh, you can go to Spotify. Uh, you can also go to iTunes, search Wapak Naz. Uh, I know you all know how to spell Wapak. I had a conversation with somebody last week over the phone and didn't know how to say Wapakoneta, which is cool because they're like, I have no idea what this place is. Um, but you can search Wapak Naz. You can find our sermons, and you can also go all the way back to, I be, believe, 2018. If you can't do that, you can go on, on our website at wapaknaz.org and you can kind of catch up. And so I would just encourage you to do so uh, because you're joining many, many people across the country and actually across the globe who listen to this service. I know, right? Wild. So uh, um, welcome back. And uh, today I firmly believe that um, this is a conversation that we need to have. Um, but it's hard to have. So I, I just want to first start off with this week, I have experienced something that in my uh, 42 years, yeah, I'm, I'm revealing my age. Uh, in my 42 years, particularly my 21 years of being an athlete, I played soccer all the way through college, um, I had never experienced before in my life. Uh, I have experienced what I think is a concussion. Uh, all week, uh, f- from Saturday night through even last Sunday, standing here um, through the week, I have been quite foggy. Uh, I had ringing in my ears. Uh, I had massive headaches uh, to the point of migraine, waking me up in the middle of the night and just a throbbing. Um, how did this happen? I'm so glad you asked. You know, <laughs> Pastors like really try to be polished and stuff. This guy is not polished. Let me just tell you, and I am the fool in this story. And the victor in this story, my cat. Well, my wife's cat. (laughs) I don't claim it after this. Uh, No, it was Saturday night. My wife and I uh, had had been invited to uh, Cornerstone of Hope. They had a retreat, and they they were invited us in to lead a two-hour session uh, of pause and reflection, and at the end of the night, we, they gave us an aloe plant, and uh, our cat loves plants, um, whether they're fake or real, uh, and it seems like she loves to eat them, so uh, we had put the aloe plant right on our mantle, and she just got up on and was trying to like love on the plant and eat the plant, so I, I grabbed her, and uh, I, I tossed her onto the bed. And she immediately landed on the bed, came to the edge of the bed, and was like looking at me to do it again. So I tapped the bureau, and she ran up and got back up on the bureau, and I, one, two, three, 
And she flew through the air and landed on her feet, and she came running back and looking at me, so I kept doing this, and then I started chasing the cat. We have a window in our apartment, and as I chased her, I drilled the window with my head. And oh my goodness, I don't think I've experienced that type of, of, of throbbing in my life. Uh, needless to say, the cat was still looking at me, purring, ready for me to throw it. Um, if you're PETA and listening to this, no cat was harmed in the making of this scenario. Uh, wow. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, I, my head went to, to swelling, and, and I had severe pain, and, and I, I'd never experienced a concussion in my life, and it wasn't until Wednesday afternoon that I was talking with my wife, and she went to WebMD and tried to self-diagnose. She's like, maybe you have a concussion. It's like, you know, that probably makes sense, because I had hit my head twice before that, like within the previous two days. So apparently, I was knocked out by the cat. Um, pain is, is funny, isn't it? Um, I don't think anyone in here enjoys physical pain. Not at all. Um, there is not one person in this room and those listening that enjoy pain. Um, Unless you're like Evil Knievel, who really does enjoy pain. There are those select few that uh, probably need a, a physician or a psychiatrist that really enjoy pain. But most of humanity does not enjoy pain. In fact, we go to lengths to avoid pain, physical pain. In fact, as parents and as adults, we, we try to keep our kids from physical pain as much as possible. Then when they actually go into physical pain, we freak out, Right? Pain is something we want to avoid. But it's the same with our emotional, psychological, and spiritual pain. In fact, Freud, um, whether you think he's uh, valid or not, Freud himself, the father of psychoanalysis, developed a list of, of defense mechanisms that we utilize and wield in order that we do not feel pain. That we do not have to confront it. That we don't have to feel it. Suppression. Many of us use that and wield that very quickly. We suppress it. We remove it from our mind. And in fact, the brain is such a wonderfully designed organ that even in traumatic experiences... It filters out the trauma so much so and then begins to release it over time and that we begin to have to face it. Most of us don't want to face and deal with pain, whether it's physical or emotional or psychological or spiritual. Pain has a way of wielding power over us and making us feel powerless does it not in fact pain seems to steal the pen out of our hand and begins to write an alternative story in our life it it seems to be a story that is less than we are created to live but see with pain we often think that our wounds and our scars 
are our weaknesses. But the fact is, wounds are your strength. Wounds and scars are your strength. Just ask my cat. And in fact, your wounds can be instruments of healing for other people. But we're talking about going the distance, right? We're talking about how do we... I'm going way forward, right? We're talking about going the distance, not only in our faith journey, but our life journey. And what I have often heard are gospels that are preached without pain and without suffering. Now, I know it sounds ludicrous, but just hang in there with me for a moment. Jesus himself was not tickled so much so that he died laughing. No, Jesus himself died a violent, horrific, excruciating, and suffocating death on the cross. And if you are new to the gospel or you're reacquainting yourself to the gospel of Jesus Christ, any gospel of Jesus Christ that is preached without suffering, without pain, is not a gospel that we should listen to. There are many peddlers of the gospel that free us up from pain and free us up from suffering and say that you can buy your way into heaven, that you can be happy and you could be successful if you just do these things. That is not the gospel. Jesus himself suffered the cost of our sin was huge. So today, I just want us to go forward and I'm going to give you the points up front. And I want to allow and ask you to allow the scripture to unpack you, to unpack your life. And the points are very simple. Stand in the pain. Bless you. Stand in the pain. And give yourself permission to pause and reflect. Give yourself permission and space to pause and reflect on the pain. And many of you are looking at me And you're probably wondering, Ambrose, you're a pastor, you're a preacher, what pain have you experienced in your life? I'm not going to go through my resume of pain. But Friday night, I couldn't sleep. And so I walked through my resume of pain. Starting at seven or eight years old up to the present time. Man, I got a page and a quarter. And I'm adding to it, even as I reflect today. You have a resume of pain. You do. Regardless if you've been in church for 40 years. 
regardless if you haven't even stepped inside of a church in 40 years, you have a resume of pain. And so today I encourage you, I challenge you, I triple dog dare you to stand in your resume of pain, to allow yourself pause and space to reflect. We're going to learn from an individual in Scripture who probably didn't do this very, very well. But there are some insights out of this story that help us and that push us forward. So if you would, I'd ask that you open up to 1 Kings chapter 19. And we're going to stand in the pain together because there's pain in the going. If you want to go the distance, there's going to be pain. 1 Kings is in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, and then you'll find 1 Kings after Ruth. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. And we're going to read through verse 18. Now Ahab told Jezebel, man, nobody names their child Jezebel these days, do they? She's a wicked dude, man. All right. Uh, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Pause just for a moment. This text, this moment in chapter 19 follows a defining moment for the prophet Elijah. If you're curious what a prophet is, he or she is a mouthpiece, a messenger of the Lord speaking whether to kings or nations. Elijah just had a showdown on the top of Mount Carmel where he called down the fire of the Lord. It was between him and about 850, if not more, prophets of Baal and Asherah. Israel had been following false gods for a long time. And it came to a point where where Elijah had said, you need to choose. You either follow the Lord or you follow the false god of Baal. Don't sit on the fence. Let me just tell you, the Lord doesn't own the fence. And so they agreed to terms for this showdown. Both sets of prophets, Elijah and the rest, would build their own altars. They would slaughter their their bulls and they would call down fire from their god and whoever's god would answer the call with fire, was God. And so the prophets, the false prophets, spent morning to evening calling down their God. They even went so far to self-mutilate themselves. All the while, Elijah, this brave and hard-nosed prophet, had the best trash talk ever. Maybe your God is traveling. Maybe your God is pondering and thinking. Maybe your God is actually relieving himself. Oh, yeah. You don't find that on an NBA court, do you? And then it came time. Elijah rebuilt the altar of the Lord that was in ruins. Slaughtered the calves, the bulls. Put them on the altar. Dug a trench around the altar. 
he actually was setting himself up for failure, if you didn't know that, but actually he was setting himself up, setting God up for victory. And around the trench, he filled the trench with water. And then he poured and had water poured on the sacrifice again and again and again, three times, saturating the whole altar and the area around the altar. And then he called on the Lord God, and what would you know? Fire. Consuming the altar, consuming the sacrifice, and consuming the water. This was a moment of victory for the Lord. And Elijah, for him, it was a defining moment. Isn't it interesting in defining moments in victories when we're on the mountaintop that our human frailty, we are vulnerable to our human frailty, to the darknesses within us. And we're going to find that with Elijah. So, unpause. Verse 2. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Calgon, take me away. That's for those of you that are like 50 and older. Uh, that was great. I remember that still. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death by the sword. All true, by the way. I'm the only one left. Not true, by the way. And now they're trying to kill me too. True, by the way. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. His defining moment was with fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said, then a voice said to him, "What are you doing here, Elijah?" He replied, 
I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're going to kill me. We like to repeat our excuses, don't we? The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. and Go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram, which is Syria. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from that place to succeed you as prophet. Let's pray. Jesus, help us stand in the pain. May we listen. May you speak. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, after his defining moment, after a wonderful victory, standing on Mount Carmel, defeating and slaughtering the prophets, the false prophets, those that were peddling a false gospel, untruths, word got to Jezebel, that wicked, wicked Jezebel. And she sent word to Elijah, by this day tomorrow, you are going to be like those prophets. And Elijah ran for his life. He was afraid and ran for his life. And he went, came to a place called Beersheba, and he left his servant, a trusted individual, a confidant in the work, in the ministry. He left his servant there, and then he himself went into the desert. Found a broom tree. A broom tree that does not look like a broom. I've checked. Doesn't. No, I'm just kidding. That, I, do not use that joke ever again. All right. <clears throat> Came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed. Folks, in our spiritual victories, in our highest moments, even in our greatest achievements in life, those are the moments that we become so vulnerable. And in fact, in our battles, when we have battled something so long and so great, the darkness within us has a tendency to creep up. That's what happened with Elijah. He'd battled so long. He'd been on the run, on the go, I should say, for a long time. And in fact, battles have this tendency to, to just take the strength out of us, take the energy out of us. And if you really want to put a term to what Elijah is dealing with, Elijah is dealing with depression. Elijah is dealing with deep emotional depression. And he knew the power of God. I just want to clue you in on to something. I think in the church we've often thought, man, if God would just show up and display his power and his might in this area of my life, I'll never have to ask him for anything else again. I'll never have to ask him for faithfulness in my life. That my faith will be so galvanized and so deep that I've already seen the glory of the Lord and I won't need anything else in my life. 
I can coast on this. That's false. That's false. Time and time and time and time and time again in Scripture, we find from Abraham to Noah to David to Elijah and many other people who have had those mountaintop moments, those victories in their life, those battles in which they've come out successful, immediately fall. If God would just talk to me, I wouldn't ever need anything else. Wrong. We got to stay connected and we got to stay close. So Elijah himself, dealing with himself, not actually dealing with himself, he's running from himself, chooses to run away. He pulled a Jonah before Jonah pulled a Jonah, right? And he runs. What does he do? He comes to Beersheba and he isolates himself. How does he isolate himself? He leaves his servant there. When you are in pain, not only do we push it away, but we also push other people away. And we have this tendency to back ourselves up and to isolate ourselves. And where does he go? He goes to the desert, which is symbolic and metaphorical of the barrenness of his soul and his heart and his mind and emotions. He's spent. He's done. And he comes to a broom tree. He comes under, into the desert and finds a place of shade. And he begins to pray, but he doesn't pray something that we would think he would pray. I would think Elijah would sit under the shade of that tree going, Lord, I've seen you done it before. Do it again. Take out my enemy. Remove her from my path. Nope. He sits down and he prays that he might die. I've had enough. I'm done. It's over. With your resume of pain, have you been there? I know some of you have. In your resume of pain, are you there today? I'm done. had enough he was afraid and he ran for his life and he prays oh God I'm done I've had enough I want to die the depression is real for him it's real just as real as it is for you but don't you find the irony here it's so obvious that I think we miss it. Elijah runs for his life, but then has a discussion with the author of life to take his life. And Elijah expects not to wake up. He expects not to wake up. I hope that you find the hope in Christ and that you hope to wake up. And so, this whole time, Elijah is not standing in his pain. This whole time, 
Elijah is using those defense mechanisms, which all can be boiled down into one word, avoidance. You call it what it is, projection, whatever. It's avoidance. It's not facing you. It's not facing the pain. And in fact, Elijah doesn't realize that in his fear and in his pain, as he's running, he's not running from Jezebel. He's running from God. He's running from God. In our fear, regardless what the fear is, when we run from fear, we run from God. Because it is in the fear, when we face the fear, that we find faith, that we find God. And so, there's a scripture in Exodus 34 where it says the Lord is compassionate and gracious. Here in this moment, what happens? An angel touches him. There's a compassion in the touching and wakes him. Now, I don't know about you, when I was uh, in junior high and high school and my mom would have to come in my room to wake me up, she didn't just go, son, it's time to go to school. Nope. First time. Time to get up. I'm still in bed. She's come in singing. This is the day. Hey, this is the day. Hey, this is the day that the Lord has made. Snap. Blinds go up. Light comes in. She walks out. If I don't still get up, it's either a cold washcloth or a cold cup of water. Get your butt up. The Lord is very compassionate here. Unlike my mom. Apparently, Elijah didn't have to go to school that day. I love my mom. Man, what a memory. Happened a lot. Anyhow, I'm so scarred. Resume of pain. Mom wakes me up in the morning. Wow. Uh, No, the Lord in Elijah's despair, in Elijah's depression, even in Elijah's avoidance, even when Elijah chooses to run the other direction, the Lord had compassion on him. If you don't hear anything else, I think you need to hear that. I just read from the Psalms today that the Lord is with you. When Gideon was in the wine press, the angel of the Lord came to Gideon said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I just want to tell you today, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But even warriors of light have to deal with their darkness. They have to battle with their own darkness. So, he provides a hot cake, some nice water, and Elijah goes back to sleep. The Lord didn't say, get up, get up, it's time to go. You got something to do. Why? Because the Lord understands the power of rest. You and I need rest. This is called the Sabbath. This is the day of rest. 
the day of rest, the day of Sabbath, for us to Sabbath, we must pause and reflect. This whole time, there's been no pause in Elijah's life. In order for you to stand in your pain, you've got to stop running around. And you've got to pause. There is power in the pause. So, he goes back to sleep. Then, he wakes up again because the angel of the Lord touched him again. Compassion. Gave him more food, more water. And notice what he says. Notice what the angel says. What he didn't say before. For the journey is too much for you. He got up and ate and drank. Sometimes when you're in the darkness, when you're battling it yourself, you can't see a future. You can't see a hope. And for you to be told you have a journey to go on, it's really difficult to hear. But on the back end of of rest, on the back end of acclimating your body, allowing yourself to pause, that's when the journey starts to have a light. That's when you can face it. So what happens? Elijah's strengthened by the food. 40 days, 40 nights. Goes to the mountain of God, Mount Horeb. If you're a biblical scholar, if not, that's cool. This is the Mount of Mount Sinai. This is where Moses was on the top of the mountain where he received the law and the Ten Commandments, the Big Ten. Ooh, I know that's hurtful right now, Big Ten. Sorry, sorry. Jab. He reached Mount Horeb. This was the mountain of God. This is where all the Israelites received what God had for them in law. But have you ever noticed that when you're in pain and pain is writing the story for you rather than you writing the story pain takes you in directions that you shouldn't be going this is the right place this is the mountain of God this is where things happen but guess what it's the wrong place for Elijah this was the right place for Moses this is the wrong place for Elijah you're going, Pastor, didn't, didn't God just show up here? Correct, He did. But this wasn't where Elijah was supposed to be. Where was Elijah supposed to be? At the end of this conversation, after God showed up, God told him, go back the way you came. In fact, if you look at a map, where Elijah started, Mount Carmel, traveled all the way south, into the desert to Mount Horeb. And where God tells Elijah to go back the way he came and where he tells him to go is Aram, which is Syria, all the way back north. It would have been a shorter journey for Elijah from Mount Carmel to Syria than going all the way south and then having to go all the way back north. Folks, pain if you allow pain to have your pen and write your narrative, and if you allow your mind to write narratives that aren't true, we will find ourselves in places we're not supposed to be doing things that we're not supposed to do. 
Has that been true for you? Has that been true for you? It was true for Elijah. Elijah didn't stop to pause and reflect. And in fact, this conversation that God has with Elijah, he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? This isn't a question that God needed answered from Elijah. It's a question that Elijah needed answered for himself because Elijah had been avoiding it the whole time. Folks, when you stand in your pain, you are face-to-face with your pain. You don't avoid it. You face it. And this question rings true of the question of Adam when he was in the garden and after he and Eve took the, the, the fruit of the tree that they were not supposed to and they hid themselves among the trees and God said, where are you, Adam? This wasn't because God is very unaware of where people are. It's because humanity is unaware of where we are. What are you doing here, Elijah? This isn't where you're supposed to be. And Elijah speaks some truth, right? I've been very zealous for the Lord God. Correct. True. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. Correct. True. Broken down your altars. Correct. True. Prophets have been slaughtered. Correct and true. I'm the only one left. If we allow pain to have the pen and write the story, we write a narrative in our own mind that isn't true. Remember he said, I'm the only one left? Why? Because he left his servant back in Beersheba. Because he went into the desert alone. And he went 40 days and 40 nights alone. I'm the only one left because you made it that way, Elijah. You chose that for yourself, Elijah. And let me just tell you, God doesn't need any one of us to argue for him, to make his case for him. Elijah even thinks that God isn't doing God's job. Look, they're rejecting your covenant. They're killing your prophets. No one's standing for you except me. I don't need you to stand for me, Elijah. I can do that myself. I'm the only one left. We've got to check the narrative in our mind. We create stories in our mind, whether they are true or untrue, If you repeat them over and over and over and over again, guess what they become? They true for you, and they're false. So, we got to come back and stand in our pain. We have this moment where God says, hey, go stand in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to pass by. We have wind. We have an earthquake. God shows up in both of those throughout Scripture. In fact, the Spirit, Holy Spirit, when you look at the, the term, it means wind. He shows up at Pentecost, chapter 2, Acts, in wind, in a violent earthquake, in fire. 
You remember the defining moment for Elijah was in the fire? He called down. He said, God, bring your fire. And God showed up in the fire. God doesn't always show up in the same way. If you're looking for God in the same way that he's done it before, you might be missing him because he shows up in a whisper. And he tells Elijah to go back the way you came. Why? Because God wants Elijah to stand in the pain, to retrace the steps of it all, the steps that he took running away from God and face himself. Folks, with our pain, we have two choices. We can allow our pain to define us. We can allow our pain to write it. Become embittered. If you ever want to read a story about a person who became embittered, go to the book of Ruth. And Naomi allowed the pain to define her. And she even defined herself as bitter. Call me bitter. Or you can stand in your pain. said earlier that Jesus died the most horrific, violent, excruciating, suffocating death. He laid himself down. He literally stood in his pain from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. on the cross. And when he gave up his spirit and had his last breath, he stood in the pain. Not only physical pain, but that is a, a moment that is an expression of love and his heart for humanity. But what happened? What happened? Three days later, he got up from the pain. He stood and found himself victorious so that all humanity, if we choose, can be victorious as well. Dr. Brene Brown says we must reckon. We must reckon with our pain. We must identify what we feel. 70% of people cannot identify what they feel. And then she says, we got to rumble. We got to go the distance with our pain. We got to have it out. And then she says, we have to have a revolution. We have to take the pen back and rewrite the narrative and the story and the ending. I challenge you to look at your resume of pain, to see what you have avoided, see what you've pushed down, to see what you've been running from. Because it's in standing in the pain that you develop resilience you forge your edge you get sharper Jesus stood in the pain so that you can become whole 
you will not become whole until two things happen. You face your pain and you meet Jesus face to face and invite him into your life. So, Sandy, you can stay right there. I'm going to ask that you sit. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and your hearts with me. We're going to take a moment of pause. And I'd like for you to reflect on your resume of pain. I'm going to ask that if you pushed it away and if you've been running for your life and you need and you know that you need to stand in the pain I'm going to ask that you don't remain seated but you stand that you stand and you face. This is the beginning of facing it and dealing with it and inviting the Lord into it. If that's you, I'm asking that you stand. Make it symbolic. Make it significant for you and your life. That this is the beginning of the journey. That you go back the way you came and you face it. If that's you, stand where you are. Stand right now. Stand up and face it. Stand up and reckon with it. Stand up and rumble with it. Stand up and take the pen and rewrite it. If that's you, stand. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, for those that are standing They're choosing to step forward. They're choosing courage. What is most courageous in this moment, it's to stand. And I hope and I pray that those that are seated here, that are wrestling, that they choose to stand and quit avoiding and step in and face it and deal and reckon and rumble and revolutionize their life because of Jesus Christ. Lord, for those that are standing right now, will you help them Will you empower them? It's not by power, not by might, but by your spirit. May may by your spirit they begin to reckon with their heart and with their soul and they begin to battle with light. They begin to battle with peace. They begin to battle because of you. You have battled for them and you have been victorious. And I pray that this is a journey to wholeness and completeness and to healing. Now I ask the rest of us, please stand along with them. And Lord God, for all of us, we need to be in community. And Lord Jesus, may this place, this people be a community that shoulders with one another, that loves with one another, that travels with one another, that does not leave the one behind. Because it is in community that we're able to deal and face. 
help us stand with those standing in pain. God, and I ask for those that do not know you, if that's you and you don't know the Lord, and you know you need him in your life, and you just want to give your life over to him and let him begin writing that narrative for you, will you please raise your hand? Praise God. It's very simple, and I'm asking that you you pray this prayer along with me with all sincerity. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life. Oh, forgive me for my sins. Jesus, I give you my life. That is not the end of the conversation. That is just the beginning. But you have just chosen Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of your life and to lead you and guide you in the ways of peace, in the ways of wholeness, in the ways of holiness. Lord God, we thank you that you are with us in this. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Can we just give God praise for who he is and what he's done? Yeah. For those that gave their life over to Christ today. Man, he's a move. He's a, he's a move. He's a foot in your life. He's a foot in this community. He's a foot in this Wapakoneta, in this city. I love you. And I, I want to see the best for you. And God wants to see the best for you in your life. Wholeness and holiness, those are the best for you. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And may you love your neighbor as yourself. And one last tidbit, if you are looking for sources to help you in this journey, there's a few places I want to direct you. One, um, go back to Spotify or iTunes. We had a mental health series a year ago in September. Listen to all four of those conversations. They are not sermons. They are conversations with a licensed professional counselor dealing with hope to heal, with grief, loss, courage, vulnerability, resilience. Go back and listen to them. September of 2019. Two sources that I thoroughly enjoyed and go back to are Aaron McManus's The Way of the Warrior and Dr. Brene Brown's Rising Strong. Um, these are, are great tools for you to help and heal and to face your pain and to stand in your pain. And then I've got a few others up here. You can, bring, you can come up here, take a picture with your phone. You might actually be able to find most of these on the Libya app for free to listen, audible, pretty cheap. So we want to tool you and arm you in this process. Have a great day. I love you. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.